Good morning. Is anybody like me just excited to see the sun and the snow melting? And Yes. Looking forward to spring. Fresh and new seasons. Most definitely. Fresh and new is good, but I have a question for you. Have you ever felt the sting of seclusion? For many of us, this past year has unfortunately perhaps helped in that matter. The effects of isolation has taken a toll on many families. Why is so isolation so harmful? What does it produce often but loneliness, a major result of this isolation? We all at times have felt the despair of loneliness. A psychologist from the University of Chicago recently conducted a series of studies on the effects of loneliness. They came to the conclusion that loneliness increases the risk of suicide for young and adult alike. Lonely individuals report higher levels of perceived stress. Loneliness raises levels of stress hormones and levels of blood pressure. And loneliness destroys the quality and efficiency of sleep. These studies are certainly somewhat helpful for us in understanding the issues of health and wellness when it comes to this type of isolation and seclusion and loneliness. However, these studies are nothing more than the continual affirmation of what the Bible has already identified as true. The greatest defense against loneliness is our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He affirms this repeatedly throughout the Scriptures that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Although, at the same time, God has not created us to be lonely or isolated from a human perspective as well. From the beginning of creation, God declared that it is not good for man to be alone. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Eve was created to be a helper to Adam. Proverbs 17, 17 states that a friend loves at all times. Scripture is full with examples of true friendship. Ruth and Naomi, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Elijah and Elisha, Jesus and Mary and Martha and Lazarus. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, we read of this This bond of friendship between Jonathan and David when the word says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. When you think of friendship, we might ask the question, what does true friendship look like? This is our question. To consider today. If loneliness is an emotion that we know to be detrimental to our physical and, yes, our spiritual health, 
then how might we pursue true friendship within the body of Christ? Throughout this letter, we continue to see that the fellowship of Christ is a primary foundation found within the book of Philippians. Body health was critical to the church at Philippi. And of course, it's critical to us here at Miriam Christian Chapel. This morning, I want us to examine Paul's and the church's companion and friend, Epaphroditus. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30, we will see four characteristics of what true friendship looks like. Would you stand with me, please, for the reading of God's authoritative word for us here today? Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because he had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. You may be seated. Our first characteristic of true friendship will be co-workers in Christ. If you recall from last week's passage, Paul desired to send Timothy and himself included. Here in verse 25, though, he transitions and communicates that he thought it more necessary to send Epaphroditus sooner. In verse 26, we will see why he thought it was more necessary. However, for now, let's consider the descriptions of Epaphroditus' friendship found in verse 25. You will see he first states that he was my brother. I don't want us to pass over that personal pronoun, my. Compare that to if he were to use the article a. A brother compared to my brother. Paul is communicating the idea that their relationship is intertwined through a close affinity in Christ. He then goes on to say that he was his fellow worker not only are they brothers but co-workers in the beginning of the letter paul's prayer of thanksgiving communicated this very truth look back again at chapter one verse five and verse seven 
Paul in his prayer of thanksgiving says, In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, he goes on in verse 7 to say, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. He went on to say in that prayer how he longed with the affection of Christ Jesus to be with them. We can appreciate this sentiment, can we not? As we strive together as the body of Christ, our bonds of friendship are certainly solidified and strengthened. Fellow soldier is the third description he uses to describe Epaphroditus. Now, I mentioned some of the struggles within our introduction that perhaps many of us have faced. Those struggles are only intensified when we attempt to fight them alone. Paul viewed Epaphroditus as a fellow soldier in that they faced struggles together. Paul had a similar message to his friend Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, when he said, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life. The battle, my friends, is not meant to be fought alone. We need each other as fellow workers, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, as fellow soldiers prepared for battle. He then goes on to conclude the descriptions with the phrase, your messenger and my minister and minister to my need. Now, a couple observations here concerning these words. Messenger and minister. The word messenger here is from our word apostle. Of course, this is not in the divine sense of being appointed by Christ, but more in the general sense of the word referring to a sent one. Epaphroditus was a delegate or an envoy who you might say was representing the interests of others. The word minister here is actually unique in that it is only used five times within the New Testament. It is significant that each time it is used, it refers and speaks to a minister of God. So, what is the common thread throughout these descriptions of Epaphroditus? Brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, messenger, and minister. The answer lies within our first characteristic. That he was a co-worker in Christ. Each and every one of us, obviously, should have friends within the world. We're called to be in the world, not of it. How might they hear without relationships with us as we desire to speak truth and love 
into a dark world. However, if we truly desire victory in Christian living, then we will need friends that we can call my brother, my sister, and the Lord. We will need to be partners in the gospel as fellow workers. The struggles of life will require us to fight battles as fellow soldiers standing together firm in one spirit and in one mind. When we are representing the interests of our friends as a messenger and minister of God, we can overcome seclusion, isolation, and loneliness that so besets us at times. Paul desired to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi while communicating his affection for a true friend. I've used this term often before. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christianity. We need each other. The body needs you. What does that look like for you? We've talked at length at what is coming here within this body. How will you partner? How will you get past the surface relationships in order that we might be fellow co-workers in Christ? Fellow soldiers fighting a battle. Brothers and sisters prepared. Our second characteristic of true friendship is simply humility. We've heard this concept quite often throughout this letter, have we not? As a reminder in our passage from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, we identified the definition of humility. Look back again at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Paul says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Obviously, humility is a key concept for Christian living in general. In this letter, of course, is no exception. If the fellowship of Christ is a vital foundational piece that Paul desires to communicate, then we will surely see that humility is essential in preserving it. Look with me again at verses 26 and 27 and listen for Epaphroditus' humility. 226 and 27 because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick for indeed he was sick to the point of death but God had mercy on him and not on him only but also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow 
Have you ever felt that inescapable feeling of an extreme burden for someone you love? A burden that would regard nothing of yourself. This type of affection can only come amongst true brothers and sisters in Christ. We saw from verse 25 that Paul thought it more necessary to send Epaphroditus sooner. In verse 26, we see that reason. Epaphroditus was grieved with distress at the thought of his friends grieving over his potential death. This is the same word that is used of Jesus' distress in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 38 reads, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. So, what is the point? Epaphroditus was experiencing extreme mental turmoil because of his concern for others. And specifically, his brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi. He was certainly tasked by the church at Philippi with a specific mission. But in humility, he was more concerned with his friends rather than his own interests. So much so that he deeply desired or longed to be back with them. We saw that same type of longing from Paul in chapter 1, verse 8. When he desired with affection in Christ Jesus, he longed to be be back with his brothers and sisters in Christ. In verse 26, we see the fruit of humility and how it flows forth from Epaphroditus. In verse 27, we see the fruit of humility and what it produces from Paul towards Epaphroditus. Paul confirms that because of the mercy of God, Epaphroditus was protected from death. He also confirms that God's mercy on Epaphroditus was actually mercy on him as well. He confesses that if Epaphroditus would have died, it would have been sorrow upon sorrow. Literally, This would have been an unbearable lament. Do you see the connections here concerning the fruit of humility amongst true friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ? You cannot help but experience the joy of the Lord together because true friendship creates and produces deep emotional bonds you cannot help but experience peace for the storm together you cannot help 
but conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ together. That's what humility produces. Our third characteristic of true friendship is plain and simple, joy. We all at some point have experienced what is often referred to as a toxic relationship. Paul, in writing his letter to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, says, Beware, bad company corrupts good character. One author listed several characteristics of a toxic friendship. You find yourself in competition with their other best friends. There's an imbalance in talk time, all for the friend. Your best friend blurts out criticism with a selfish, righteous attitude. Who calls whom? Your best friend tells you that you need to change. You're continually walking on eggshells. You're riding an emotional roller coaster with your friend at the controls. Not much joy flowing forth from relationships such as this. So then, what does true friendship look like? Paul's words written to his friend and brother in Lord Philemon serve as an excellent example. Philemon chapter 1 verse 7, he wrote, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. True friendship involves mutual comfort and certainly joy. Look with me again, beginning at verse 28 through the first half of verse 29. He says, therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy. We clearly see a man-centered joy here. However, I don't want us to miss the simple connection of the therefore and its significance. Paul is eagerly sending him back because of the sovereign mercy of God towards Epaphroditus. Paul was helpless to eliminate the circumstance, and yet God chose to preserve Epaphroditus' life. And because of that sovereign mercy, there was a God-centered reason for the church to rejoice, appreciate, and understand joy that can only come from God alone. So what is the point you're making here, Pastor John, you might be saying? Co-workers in Christ, practicing an attitude of humility, will inevitably experience joy in the mercies of a sovereign God. As for Epaphroditus, it was in the divine 
providential blessing. However, let's not forget that at times Paul has already spoken to this church that your path will be marked with suffering as you are called to serve Christ. Philippians 1.29 Whether in blessings or trials, as fellow workers in Christ, we will see the hand of God and the joy that that brings. God-centered joy is abundant in true fellowship. Although that is not the full extent of our joy and true friendship. God in His mercy provides a wonderful privilege for us to know joy in a human sense as well. Paul in the first half of verse 29 charges the church to receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy. Simply stated, as if he were to say, welcome him with friendliness as your brother in Christ with all joy. Early church father John Christostom had this to say regarding the church's reception of Epaphroditus. Give him as saints ought to do the reception due to a saint with all joy. Paul says this for the sake of the congregation rather than Epaphroditus. The profit of doing good is greater than that of receiving reward. Is that how we welcome our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ? With joy and with gladness. Gladness and joy will consistently be on display amongst true friends. We see this within the early church as well. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, we read, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and with sincerity of heart. Would that be our longing here at Miriam Christian Chapel? Are we seeking Christ's kingdom and His righteousness above all other things? This will unquestionably build humility amongst us. It will assuredly promote joy in our lives and our fellow brothers and sisters. Listen, no matter what their circumstances. So, before we move to our final characteristic, let's review. What does true friendship look like? Fruit, ah, true friendship. Thank you for the smile there. I needed that. Do I need to take a drink of water? Perhaps not. It involves the fact that we are co-workers in Christ. Soldiers together for the battle. Practicing a mind of humility amongst one another. Regarding others as more important than ourselves. If you recall from our message concerning 
humility in Philippians chapter 2. We talked about the difference between a helper and a servant. Will we be servants together practicing humility? Will we experience joy amongst true friends? God-centered joy and yes, man-centered joy. Our last characteristic found in this passage for what a true friendship looks like is that of self-sacrificial love. Paul concludes this report concerning his close companion and friend with a command to hold men like this in high regard. This idea of high regard is communicating a charge to see men such as this as precious and highly honored. Why are they to be regarded in this way? Look at verse 30. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Epaphroditus was a man who was willing to risk everything for the work of Christ. True friendship will certainly be committed to self-sacrificial love. A life that is willing to surrender one's own interest to the work of Christ. For Epaphroditus, it was risking his life in providing a service to the Philippian church that they were not able to do. In chapter 4, we will see more of the specifics of what that service was. However, what about us here today? How might we practice self-sacrificial love with our co-workers in Christ? Many of us will never be called to potentially surrender our physical lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. If not our physical lives, then might we be called to die to self for the body of Christ? Are we at times too concerned with our comfort and security at the expense of our brothers and sisters? My friends, if we are to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then we must be willing to surrender all for the work of Christ, for our fellow workers, for our fellow brothers and sisters and soldiers. We began with the question, what does true friendship look like? Epaphroditus is indeed an excellent example of that. He was a co-worker in Christ. He practiced an attitude of humility. His friendship promoted joy amongst many. And he practiced self-sacrificial love. 
Now, if I were to end this message on that note, we would be lacking one major respect. There is a connection to these characteristics that is imperative for me to make. For the Christian here today, Christ is interceding on your behalf, mediating between you and the Father. John chapter 17 speaks clearly that even now He intercedes for you, working on your behalf as a believer in Christ. Christ as we have already established, was the ultimate example of humility in taking on flesh, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. It was for the joy set before Christ that He went to the cross on your behalf. And in the cross of Christ, we see the pinnacle example of self-sacrificial love. As believers, we can practice true friendship because we are friends with God Himself. The writer to the Hebrews stated, For both He who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Do you hear that beautiful truth if you are in Christ here today? He is not ashamed to call you brethren. This is great truth. This is a great truth of hope and confidence for us to practice righteousness, to pursue our brothers and sisters in Christ in all humility as fellow co-workers. However, for the non-believer, if perhaps there may be one here today, This message of friendship with God is replaced with a message of wrath. There is a reason why I use the term true friendship. True friendship can only come and be found in Christ. Apart from the selfish motivations of the world. Within the introduction, we discuss the effects of loneliness. If you are without Christ here today, there is friendship that will overcome your burdened heart. Christ will say to you, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For the believer here today, we find peace and solace in those words as well. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your precious word that says that we are called to rejoice and be glad. This is a day that you have made. Lord, we thank you that we can rejoice in the body of Christ that you shed your precious blood for. Lord, we can rejoice that you have given us access to true friendship, first and foremost with you. We fall short often, O Lord. But because we are friends with Christ, we know that you are not ashamed of us. Lord, as for our friends here on earth, Lord, would you create in us a desire, an energy, a passion to pursue each other, to long for one another in humility as fellow soldiers and workers. We need each other, Lord. We need you to remind us of this very fact. We were not created to be alone. But venturing together in this battle together for the cause of Christ and your glorious name. In Jesus' name we pray.